Part of the fun of being the host of WA Real is that I get to find out more about the people behind the businesses here in WA that I use or visit or buy their products or services. And I get the opportunity to really dig into their stories. And this week, I had the absolute pleasure of doing exactly the same by talking to Belinda Dennis, who is the founder and director of Bindi Nutrition. Belinda, originally a practicing vet, tells the story of how her refusal to accept the standard sugar-laden products in the market was the original inspiration for her to create her own endurance sports nutrition that she went on to sell and build Bindi on. Drawing heavily on her science background as a vet, Belinda shares how she has built Bindi by applying the same methodology that got her to an Ironman World Championships, that being methodically focusing on one task that's in front of you, completing it, and then moving on to the next one. She also tells about continually refining the products, building a loyal local customer base, and competing with the big boys of the sports nutrition market. Belinda is a wonderful and family-orientated lady whose focus and go-forward attitude was an absolute treat to tap into. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy Belinda. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Endurance racing, nutrition and shifting your career are just some of the topics we'll be exploring today with my guest, Belinda Dennis. Belinda, welcome to the show. Hi, Bryn. Thank you for having me. And thank you for having me down here in your lovely home in... Just outside of Bustleton. Yeah, here we are in Bustleton, a few hours from Perth, and it's a beautiful spot here. Yeah, it is, it is. So one of the questions I always ask my guest is um, their relationship with Western Australia. You grew up here in WA, in Cojunut. Yes. Um, on a sheep farm, I gather. Yeah, that's right. So I'm a very much WA born and bred, and grew up in Cojunut, so that's a couple of hours inland from here, or it's about three hours from Perth, so on a sheep and wheat property with um, lots of family around and lots of animals and um, and spent my childhood there before I headed off to Perth. Mm. So, um, obviously we're going to go into sports and sport and nutrition. Were you a sporty child? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we lived a bit out of town on the, on the farm, but we spent weekends um, always at the tennis club or playing hockey and a lot of team sports and it was something that we all did as a family and a lot of horse riding as well around the farm for for pleasure and to help dad out on the farm as mm. well with the sheep work and so sport's always been part of our lives absolutely it was something that we did as a community as mm. well it's interesting because obviously i i asked this sort of question at the start of most of my podcasts and you know, people like me have moved here um but those that born and bred there's always seems to be an outdoor feature and a sports feature yeah yeah absolutely and I think uh, especially for for farming communities Mm. sports just a really great way for the community to come together so Mm. um, you know we'd play tennis the kids would play tennis in the mornings and then the parents would play in the afternoon so we'd spend the whole day at the tennis club and so there just seemed to be that that community connection that brought us all together and so those families are still our friends now as adults mm. as well because of that. Mm. Do you consider yourself to be a proud West Aussie? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've worked and travelled and done other things, but I love to be from WA, and I love the, you know, now that I'm in business, or um, I love the challenges uh, that that come with with working in WA, mm. and I love our uniqueness as well. I think we've got so much to offer because we are slightly removed from a lot of even Australia in terms of the, the, the business opportunities and um, and so yeah it's a very unique area to, to work and play in basically. Mm. Mm. So you are the 
the founder and director of Bindi Nutrition, which provides um, sort of locally sourced organic vegetarian, uh, ve- is it ve- vegan, vegetarian? Ve- everything's vegan. Yes. Everything's vegan. Yes. <laughs> um, sports nutrition. But before we go into that, you didn't actually start life as a sports nutritionist, did you? No. No, and uh, so I run a business now all based around sports nutrition, that's yes. right. So, but that's, that's been, not how it started. No, so that's been my career for the last five to six years, but my start was very different. Um, and so I was a veterinarian for 15 years before I moved into this new career. And so I've always had a science background. Um, right. And so that, that's probably the biggest link between the, the hmm. two careers. I was is going the, to ask that. Yeah, the science is still really relevant and that's where all my products are, are based in science and so I've been, been able to use that science degree from being a vet but being a vet was my first love. It was something that I decided when I was 10 um, as a young girl on our farm and I just loved animals and I'd helped my dad a lot with the, the ewes were lambing or like I said, riding horses and um, I just realised that I love them a lot. I wanted to be able to help them and I had the capacity to go on and, and get a vet degree and do mm. that. And so I decided from the age of 10, so then it was a matter of going off and getting through school, getting the right mark to get into uni and, and then off I went to Murdoch Uni to, to complete my five-year degree there. Mm. Which takes some training, doesn't it? Yeah, five years at uni, but um, gee, I, I loved it. It wasn't yeah. hard to do. Um, and even getting the grades to get in, I mean... It from the outside it can seem quite daunting to get those sort of grades but I was just so focused on well that's what I want to do so therefore these are the marks that I need to get and this is the work experience that I need to do so I was I'm very goal orientated and I just thought well that's what I want to do so this is how much work I need to put in and so once I was at uni I absolutely loved learning the um, the information and so it stuck so my sister is a doctor and we lived together when we're at uni and she would study so hard she was amazing right she yeah. she really was very focused and she used to get very frustrated with me you know you're not studying enough and you're always going out playing hockey or going to the pub or having a great time why aren't you working and she used to be really stressed about me not passing exams and then get increasingly frustrated when I would pass them quite well because I, <laughs> I just loved it I, I understood yeah, the information stuck, it, it? it stuck and it made sense and I just really enjoyed it and I knew mm. I was in the right place mm. when I um yeah when I got to the end of it I, I knew that was what I was meant to do so that was just a, a logical progression from growing up on a farm? Yeah, it was. One of my friends, um, as a 10-year-old, came home or came to school and she said, oh, look, I think I'm going to be a vet. And um, I remember going home that night thinking, oh, I, you know, that's not a bad idea. Maybe I could do that too. And then I went back to school the next day and she said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't actually think I could deal with having to, the, the sad side of it, you know, having to put animals down. And I thought, oh, well... You know, being on a farm, I've seen that, I've dealt with it, and mm. I can handle that. And and so she just planted the, the idea in my head, and um, now Steph is an amazing artist, and I became the vet. So <laughs> <laughs> we both found our careers, yeah. yeah. So when you um, did all the training, or, or went, even went going to university, did you very much view that as a job for life? Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm. Um, it was it was my vocation. It was a job for life. It was a secure profession that um, I felt was quite you know well respected, and I mm. really looked at it as something that I would do for the rest of my life. Mm. And um, I guess 
Because it has been one of those categories, isn't it, where it's, yeah. there's always going to be a need for it. That's exactly so it, right. You know, and like, it's also one of those degrees, you know, you go into the degree knowing you'll come out as a vet. Yeah. It's not um, a... Even if I did a science degree, well, what is your, your job going to be afterwards? There's a huge mm. range. But this was pretty straightforward. So in a way, I didn't really have to think too much about it. It was just out you come and it's just what type do you want to do, large animal work or small animal work or yeah. you know, what, did, what type of it did you want to be? So, but I think when I graduated relatively naively, we didn't think about what's it going to be like being a vet when you've got small children or mm. when you're trying to, um, to, to run a household or what are the working hours and the conditions and the, the pay and all of those things. I mean, they didn't cross my mind because yeah. I just wanted to be a vet. And so as I got through my career, I did start to realise some of the limitations in the veterinary profession, which are quite, um, they're they're sort of quite well known now, but at the time we all Mm. just worked really hard and didn't get paid a lot of money. What what sort of things are they? Oh, look, there's a lot of, um, they have a lot of problems with retention of Mm. vets. And so we have a lot of female vets. And so in my year, for example, we only had 10 guys and 50 girls in um, in our year group. And so, and then a lot of the women were facing these issues. They were becoming mums and having kids. And then the work hours are very long, and there's a lot of mm. on-call and weekend work, and so travel. and travel. So you're out, you know, on a farm at at you know eight o'clock at night, and you're not getting home to see your kids in time before they go to bed. And then you get called out again at two o'clock in the morning to you know you've got to drive another hour to go and see a cow that's down in a paddock somewhere you know so it's yeah. not family friendly stuff and so i think the there is a, a, a big dropout rate for women once they have families right um, they're not going back into the the industry and so and as part of it it's a very caring very giving profession and there is actually a, a, a really big problem with depression and even suicide in the veterinary profession wow. as well and so that was something that never was an issue for me personally <clears throat> but i was certainly affected by mm. it um, through friends and colleagues um, that that even took their own lives through that time when I was working, and you could see that they they wanted to just help animals, and so the the issues of um, clients not being able to pay, for example, or yeah. um, wanting the best for their animals but not yeah, not being able to pay for it was always a really big problem for vets because we're so compassionate. You want to be able to fix everything, yeah. And so for money to be the limiting factor can be a real concern. Yeah, and then on the other um, side of it, there was people that, that didn't have their, their pet's welfare at heart. And so that, as a vet, is really difficult to see. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're just naturally very compassion, compassionate, caring people. And so there is a big problem that vets are struggling to sort of to, to balance that with then just actually getting paid for what they do without feeling like they're, they're making money out of someone in a terrible situation that's just had their dog hit by a car for example so yeah it's a tricky profession i think it's improved a lot but it's still got a long way to go in terms of nurturing their new graduates and and creating that career you know a pathway through Mm. through many years and through different changes of their lives Mm. so tell me how and when sports nutrition first became a focus interest area for you personally yeah so firstly it was nutrition yeah. as opposed to sports nutrition right and so as um as someone who enjoyed playing sport i always really cared about what i ate and wanted to be a healthy weight and have energy to do all the things that i love to do so 
being being healthy and eating good food is something that I've done all my life and it was something my parents instilled in me as yeah. well as farmers. We ate very natural food and a lot of food grown on the property and, and and it was very unprocessed. You know, we made everything from scratch. We made our own bread and things like that. So it was it was sort of a natural thing for me to eat well. And um, and then and I had been vegetarian for a lot of my teenage years. Through my twenties, I was probably a bit less organised, and mm. I just didn't focus on food as much. And I, you know, I'd eat mum's roast dinner if that was put in front of me. Yeah. But once I got to about thirty, I realised, look, it just wasn't for me. And I, and I, um, I was actually vegan for quite a few years through my thirties. And so it really was nutrition was the, the focus to start with. And once, I, so I became a mum when I was thirty. I've got three young kids. And so that actually was a real dividing time. You know, it's a, sort of, you look back now and I think, well, that's really when my, my life changed <coughs> and my routines changed. Mm. And so I was working as a vet less. I was home with the kids and, um, I, and I sort of changed a lot of my routines. And mm. so part of that included my sport as well. Yep. So before that, I was playing team sports. I was playing hockey here in Bustleton. And, but those sort of sports really require you to be somewhere at a set time. Yeah, practice. <laughs> at, at your practice, at yeah. your training, at your games, which might, especially in the country, include a bit of travel to Bunbury, yeah, for example. So, so I started to really, really reevaluate that. And I've always really loved running. And I guess in the back of my mind, I'd always thought that I'd get into triathlon. And so once I had young kids, I thought that was the, the time to get started. And so what it meant was that I could carve out some time for me personally and, um, and exercise. So yeah. my downtime as a mum became exercise. And so I felt comfortable saying, okay, I'm going to go for a run for an hour. Whereas I didn't feel comfortable saying, look, I'm going to go and sit in a coffee shop for an hour and just have a break. So in my mind, as, right. a, as a mum, that was the way I justified yeah. time out for myself. And as it turns out, it's a really great way yeah. to look after yourself too. Yes. <laughs> so mentally it was good. Physically it was good as well. Mm. So long, long way about basically then I started to need more sports nutrition. Yeah. So I started to get into longer distance triathlons and signed up for my first half Ironman. And at the time, I went to see a sports dietitian and just to get some more understanding about what you specifically need for those endurance events because obviously yeah. it's not just turn up and do it. You really yeah. need to have a plan and, and understand what you it's need. It's an incredible key that unlocks a door when that yeah. piece of knowledge is imparted to you. Yes. I remember myself first going off on bicycle rides for 40, 50 miles back in England and coming back and... I was described as almost like a recovering uh, drug addict for a couple of hours because I'd sit there like, yeah. don't talk to me. Yeah. Finally, I'd get my energy back and then I went to a small lecture and it was like, yeah. oh, right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. You can actually feel really good doing this. Yeah. And then recover. And be functional afterwards. <laughs> and refunction the next day. Mm. Yeah. And so what you're saying, you know, you went and heard someone speak and, and, and all of a sudden you had that information. Yeah. And so I, I have a product business now but and we'll we'll talk more about this mm. i guess but um so much of what i do is about people getting the information that they need yes so that they can perform at their peak yes or just have the energy to get through their day as a busy mum so so um getting that information was key for me to get started 
And I remember saying very specifically to the dietitian, everything I look at that you're recommending has either artificial colors or lots of sugar yeah. or it just seems like rubbish. Mm. And so what I'm trying to do is eat well, look after myself, exercise, go and do a half Ironman, but you're telling me that the fuel I need is just this rubbish. Like a binge in a candy shop. It, like a binge in a candy shop. That's exactly right. High sugar, full of colours. And, and I just said, how am I supposed to absorb all of that and perform well when my body's process, processing all that crap? Yeah. And she said to me, if you find a good product, let me know. Yeah. And I Right. Went, <laughs> right? Can you imagine the light bulb that went off in my head? Yeah. And, and I think I, that's probably one of my unique abilities. I didn't sort of go, oh, well, I better keep looking. I thought, well, hang on. I can, you know, if I want this, surely somebody else wants this. Yeah. Surely there's other people out there in Australia that want healthy nutrition because I know there's a lot of triathletes and I know there's a lot of people that are using Mm. nutrition and it just seemed crazy to me that there wasn't something to fill that gap. And so I I identified a, a niche and a gap in the market pretty quickly at that time. And then I also realized that I had the skills to bring together a formula for mm. a sports nutrition product and well now a range of products and so I just had this really unique skill set I saw the need I was in it I was in that situation myself mm. plus I had the science background where I could pull it all together so you're you were your own guinea pig I was exactly yeah and so it, it all coincided with the time where I was working part-time as a vet finding it um, very restrictive in terms of my family life. Mm. I, I didn't want my kids to be in, in daycare when they were quite young. I mean, I had three kids within three and a half years. So there was there was mm. a lot of mothering to do and I wanted to be there for them. And, I, yeah. and I, I found it really hard to reconcile them sitting in daycare so I could be at work. And so Simon, my husband and I had already talked about me potentially changing careers. Right. And so he had said as part of it, that he wasn't that comfortable with me being in the clinic doing after hours work. You know, we're, we're in there at all hours of the night, kids and family at home, and our priorities changed. You know, I had to be a mum first, and that yeah. was what I wanted to be first. And so we really started to look at different options. And so, you know, one of the options at the time, and I'm so glad I didn't do it, but was opening up a, a health food cafe. You know, there wasn't anything at the time, you know, sandwich bar sort of thing in yeah. Busselton, just with all organic, nutritious food options and like a lunch bar mm. and I look at it now I think oh, I'm so glad I didn't do that you know I still, that? oh I'd just still be you know apron on tied <laughs> to the kitchen making lunches you know yeah, it wouldn't have been <laughs> yeah. remarkably different remarkably it? different and so but they're the sort of things it was all based around food and nutrition yes but once I plugged in the science and thought well hang on I can do something here that I don't know anyone else who has that skill set that yeah. can that can create a formula. So I sat down and there's a lot of... What was it like having that light bulb moment of, oh, I see this, but I can take this yeah. and, and put them all together? It, um, it was really exciting. Yeah. It was very stimulating time. It was imagine. just so exciting. Yeah. And then also terrifying. Mm. So... <laughs> It was fine while I was I was pulling all the research together from all the sports. You know, there's amazing sports nutrition research out there. There's so much work being done. So you can, you can if you know how and where to look for it, you can pull it all together, right, and say, well, we want you know this much salt and we want mm. this electrolyte so mix. What, and just give us a 
bit of a bridge science here, just yeah. so we're clear, or for a listener that hasn't necessarily embarked on a, a, an endurance event, what what is it actually that the body needs to go in? Yeah, doing in- yeah, that's a good question because as yeah. as you found out, if you don't supply some basics, yeah, if you're out exercising basically for more than an hour, you will run out of energy. Yeah. Okay. So any time, if you're going for for anything less than an hour. You can replace anything that you need just through your your water and your food when you get back. But so say for example you're going to go out for a bike ride for three hours. Yeah. You will run out of energy in that time, and so your performance will suffer. And then the other thing you will do is sweat a lot. So you start to lose electrolytes. So your salts. So things like sodium and magnesium and potassium. So the result of that is that you you know you run out of energy. You feel terrible. It's you know it's what we call bonking or hitting yeah. the wall basically you just will possibly get to a point where your body cannot function anymore and so uh, it's like running out of petrol you okay. just run out of petrol basically yeah. and you know you might cramp as well hmm. and you know you literally oh, we've, I've been out on bike rides with, with friends that have, haven't had enough fuel and they literally cannot ride themselves home and they might be five minutes from home that's yeah. it they cannot go another shut step shut down it's done complete shut down yeah. so and look your body has very protective mechanisms and usually it's your brain that shuts down first it may not actually be your muscles because they still need to function yeah. your brain essentially says to you no more I'm going to yeah. stop one of the functions of the brain is to conserve energy isn't it yes yeah. so the brain overrides a lot of those systems and processes but you also need to put fuel into your brain too so you start to make really poor decisions and you yeah. say, oh, I'll be right. I've only got another half an hour. I don't need to eat anything else or drink anything else and I can get home. So, so you you're make, fueling your brain as well as your muscles. You're fueling your brain. So right. say if you're in a racing scenario, if you're not fueling your brain, you start to make those poor decisions. And yeah. so you, you say things like to yourself, oh, I don't need another gel or I don't, or I can just walk now for a minute. It's okay. Um, yeah. I'm not going to lose much time, which actually you will. You know, mm. so your racing tactics go out the window as well. Yeah. So back to the science. What you actually need is very simple, um, and a lot of the um, products out there can overcomplicate things potentially. But you need a source of energy, and you need some electrolytes to pl- replace what you're sweating out. Yeah. And now there are a whole lot of ranges and different combinations of putting those things into a sports drink so we started by making a powder that you can use as a sports drink you mix it with water there's a whole range of things and some if they're too high in sugar and too low in salt then they upset your tummy or if they're they're too low in sugar or carbohydrates then they won't give you enough energy Um, if they don't have enough sodium and magnesium and potassium or the electrolytes then you still may cramp so it's a matter of getting that um, that base formula right yeah and what um, what I think I'm most proud of is that ours works beautifully yeah and and that really is the overarching principle of our business is that the science is right therefore the product works and so I can be extremely confident mm. in everything else that flows from the business because we've got that detail right yeah and I'll come to this in a minute but I imagine that makes marketing your product more straightforward because you can present yeah. with a sense of certainty. Yeah, yeah. There's no sort of trying to convince anyone. It's like, well, it, it. it works. Try it. And if it doesn't work for you, then um, yeah. it's not. You know, it's not for you. And and we just people try it and they love it and it goes really well. Occasionally, someone will, will not like a particular flavour, for example. But it's not. It's not a failure of the the product or the formula per yeah, se. The base functionality. Of yeah, it. yeah. Which is the crux of the whole business. Hmm. Yeah. So. 
you're in a place where you're looking for something else other than veterinary practice mm. you're doing this research when does the light bulb go off that not just feeding yourself but you could be feeding other athletes and this could be a business and it's go time it happened really quickly yeah so from the, the is that a good thing yeah it was great it was yeah. really good because looking back now i think it i think god it was so ballsy yeah. <laughs> right i look at it and i think if i over if i did overthink that and if i took longer now i look back and think wow i cannot believe i pulled that off and basically did it in six months from the idea to the product on the shelf wow so it you know, I sort of think I don't know quite how I put it off, but actually I do know the exact steps that I did. Mm. And this is something that has stood me in very good stead. So basically I looked at the the end goal that I wanted, yes. which was a product to sit on someone's shelf. And then I looked at the, the major steps that needed to happen. So they were creating the formula, finding a factory, getting a... Um, a brand, you know, a logo and a label, mm -hmm. getting that made and getting it shipped to us. Yeah. So essentially it was relatively straightforward. Now there are lots of other little yeah. steps. Moving parts. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. And so then what I would do is just every day I say, what's the one thing I have <clears> to do today to move this project forward? Yeah. And so that day it might just be just focus on the labels. You know, yeah. get a label, get a great design and get that. Do it. Done. Do do it today, done. And then the next day, I'm going to worry about how we're going to get this shipped. Or, you know, and then I just move on to the next project because I think by setting the end goal and then breaking it down and working, you know, I just basically worked back from that, meant that I could just focus on that exact issue or problem or thing that needed solving that day, yeah. just do one at a time. And if I did that every day, the overall incremental effect was just. You know, it it um, it all just snowballed into the end result, which was getting that product. Um, well, actually, I, I I designed it to be an online business. Yeah. I had visions of myself just sitting in my office and and um, dispatching dispatching stuff. basically, <laughs> and so we launched it at the Half Ironman in May of that first year. And here in Bustleton. Here in Bustleton. So home crowd, just had a little table, a mm. few tubs, mm. sold them cheap as cheap as chips. And I was sweating on it. I was so nervous because yeah. then I looked at all my friends who were actually the only people that really were buying it because they were just so polite and supportive and all the locals because I've got a lot of friends who are in the triathlon community. And then I looked at them and I thought, what, what if this doesn't work? Like, what if they're trusting me? And they're going to go off and what if they had the worst race of their life? And actually, I just all of a sudden the pressure of what I'd done, I, I really it really hit me, and I I didn't sleep a lot for a few months there. I was really stressed about it because mm. originally it was just well, okay, if we make all this stuff, we spend you know it's obviously a bit of an investment in money, yeah, yeah. but worst case scenario, Simon, my husband and I just said, look, even if we have you know, three years of product sitting in that back shed that I just worked through and used myself. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, it's been a nice little side project, yeah, yeah. right? If you never ever go, you'll never ever know. But then people started buying it. I'm like, oh my God, now there's, now there's when pressure. When did it first um, leave your friend group and then get into... Look... And what at, was that like? Yeah, to be honest, at that expo, people did... It wasn't just friends. And then that was amazing. It, it started to then... Um, other people would buy it. 
Yeah. And so to start with, the, the conversation around our product has just changed so much in, in that time. So to start with, um, customers would come up and they'd <clears throat> fold their arms and they'd stand and look at it and they'd say, what's this? And I've never heard of you. And why would I buy that? And, and then they'd say, well, I use, and then, you know, insert X, Y, Z, whatever nutrition. Why is it different? Why is it better? And they, yeah, they were... functional commodity questions. Yes, absolutely. And they, they wanted to catch me out on every little day. Well, how much salt have you got? How much this? And what percentage carbs? And, and they were firing away as much technical stuff. And it was really you interesting. You could do that, though, because you've and got I, the science. And I'm yeah. like, bring this on. I can, I can <laughs> have this conversation with you. And so it was very disarming for them because I could yeah. answer all their questions. And to the point that I even sat down and analysed every other sports drink that all these people were asking me about, analysed them all. And I'd say, well, actually, I'm glad you asked. Here's a spreadsheet. Do you want to know the exact numbers? And we can compare. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what's interesting, though, is they were the, the typical customers, other than my friends, to start with. And yeah. they wanted to test me out. So they were the... They were the um, you know, they're the front runners. They're the people who try every new product, yep. but they want to check it out first and yeah, then and makes sense. due diligence, make sure that they're really happy with it. And then, of course, once they try it, they tell everybody. And so yeah. what's really interesting, though, is I've got that little folder that I made right at the start with all that spreadsheet, and I don't think I've opened it for two years because now people come to our stall and they say, oh, I love Bindi. I already use it or they say my friend told me I have to come and see you yeah or now they just say oh look I've heard of you or I've seen you on Facebook can I have a taste what is it and so they come really openly to us now which is so nice it's a real relief yeah and so the conversations really change and I think that's just the benefit of Mm. being in you know in business and in the community for for, you know a few more years basically and from my understanding it's more than just the science isn't it in the local yeah yeah so that's really important because um there's so many brands and so many businesses that are just so much bigger and so and even in the sports industry niche or area i guess you know our competitors are huge you know they're they're coca-cola who own a sports nutrition brand yeah for example and so the fact that customers can come to an event and talk to me or any one of my friends that are staff, basically, yeah. and they'll say, and they'll say, "Oh, where are you from?" We say, "Oh, you know, from Bustleton. and and yeah. um, and so that's that's been really great because it's the community support that got us going in the first place, and the fact that people were prepared to try it and then talk about it to their friends, and so the fact that we are a WA brand. And we have this huge base of support in WA has been really pivotal. And I think what it's done for us is given us almost like five years of of just testing out the brand. Yes. Because we work really hard within WA. And I've been to a lot of events over that time. I've got my little car, put the marquee in and drive just all over the countryside, put the tent up and we give free samples and we talk to people and we're there at the events that people are doing. And so, in turn, we've got a really good um, awareness of the brand mm. and a really great following. And it's a really supportive community. And, and actually, the endurance sports community in WA 
is pretty small mm. you know a lot of our communities like that in WA are really small and so that's actually worked really well for us mm. and so the the next step for us now is to to almost replicate what we've done here in WA and then move that to other states as well mm. and so the the trick is to do that without being the local yes uh, whereas when we go to other states of course they're like oh who are you and so yeah um, we don't quite have that same effect you but might have to get that folder out again I think yeah, and we we did that last year. We went to Queensland and we set up in Cairns, and there was a bit of that. But now we're so much more experienced at dealing with it, and we we can we can disarm those those customers mm. very quickly. Well, I suppose the learning is not just with the product, but in the marketing cycle as well. Absolutely, yes, yeah, and so not only have <coughs> I gone from being um, a, a vet. Uh, into a businesswoman, but I've learnt marketing and sales and um, a huge, you know, product development, R and D, mm. you know, everything in the business basically to this point has been me, um, and and so I've invested a lot of training time in in my skills. So basically, I've learnt another, you know, career, career mm. or two or three. I don't know how many of them, but <laughs> they've yeah. all kind of. Yeah, they, the, all that that skill set is is required, and it's not something that I want to continue through the whole business cycle. I don't always want to be doing all the marketing or all the yeah. sales, but le in learning business, I've I've taken time to learn all of those areas, yes. so that then when someone does come on board, I understand what they're doing, and I also understand um, when someone comes on board who's better at it than me. Yeah, I can see my limitations because I know enough about the area. Yeah. that then I can hand over to them. I was going to ask you, what was it? You've told us sort of the, the, the events of the transition, but you, know, you said how you decided you wanted to be a vet at the age of 10, and then that was all you did, mm -hmm. and then you became a vet. So Belinda as a vet would have been very much part of your identity. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> you know, um, then you became a mum and then now you become a mum and business owner. How have you, how has the journey been to transition from those different identities? Because mm. our sense of identity is very important to us. Yeah, exactly. And so it has been quite a journey. And so I think what was really interesting was as a vet, it's very easy to just identify with that as a role. It's a role mm. that others understand immediately. You know, you meet someone, what do you do? I'm a vet. Oh, great. Easy. Right. You're in a box and, yeah. you know, good, bad or indifferent, whatever you are. They understand who you are or what type of person you potentially are as yeah. a professional. And so... It's tidy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it's really tidy. Yeah, so it's easy. And so I hadn't look, hadn't even thought about it. I mean, I was just a vet. That's what I did. I loved it. And I absolutely 100% identified with that role. And so once I started to not do as much work though and then be a mum and I was working part-time you start to remove yourself a little bit from it because then I'd meet people and <coughs> and I was a mum you know I was meeting mm. mums at playgroup and so you're talking about the kids and then it might come around oh did you used to work or do you work or oh yeah I'm a vet as well you know so that became a secondary okay. thing for a little while mm. um, but I think by saying look I'm going to go into business and I'm going to start, start something different I coped with it quite well because I had had come to the realization that my profession was not actually yeah. my identity. It doesn't define of, me. I suppose there's a lot of pain to push you out. Yeah. Which made it 
easier for you. That's exactly right. There was a lot of reasons why I wanted to move out of that. So by the time I was doing that, um, I was a mum first to me. That was my most important role. But I'd become a triathlete as well. Yes. Um, and, and I actually, took me a while to actually say, oh, I'm just doing triathlons to now, actually, I'm a triathlete. Yeah. And so I had become an athlete in that time as well. Yeah. And yes, I was a vet as well, but, you know, I'm a sister, I'm a mum, I'm, I'm an auntie, you know, um, a wife. I'm doing all these other roles. So I, yeah. they started to all even out. So by the time I actually stepped, well, I actually was a vet for a little while while I was doing business. So I did both yeah. for about, um, I think I lasted about 10 months, actually. It wasn't that long. <laughs> Yeah. And and I, I just I was standing at the back of the kennels in the in the vet clinic, you know, taking phone calls, trying to organise my website. And once I was doing that, I thought, look, this isn't this is not it's not going to work. I'm not giving my best to either. Um, so I think what I what I found most interesting about the process was that I was okay with it, and my husband was good with it because yeah. we'd gone into this kind of together with yeah. very open eyes. But the people around me found it most confronting. Such as what, friends and family? Yeah, that's right. So my family were used to being me a professional. And, you know, my, my, my parents as farmers, they were very proud of us and quite rightly so. Mm. They'd, they'd um, had three kids grow up on a farm, sent us all the way to boarding school and worked so hard to, to you know, pay for our education. And it was a really big focus. My mum is a, well, was a teacher as well. And, and so it was a really big deal for us to go away to school. And so my sister came out as a doctor and has gone on to become an endocrinologist and had a, you know, she's still working yep. in that same career and got a wonderful career. And my brother has has got a fantastic career as um, he's in agricultural media. So he did ag science and he spent a long time working for the ABC doing things like the Country Hour. And so as yep. farming families, they were so oh, proud of yeah. us. And then my, I'm, I'm the vet in the middle, you know, yeah. so... They're like, oh, these kids, it's just like the perfect yeah. range of children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done our good job here. Huh? We've got nice. the doctor, we've got the vet, we've got the egg scientist, right? <coughs> and so then I put up my little hand and said, actually, I'm going to um, go into sports nutrition. And so, what? whoa, <laughs> yeah. And so, look, bless them, they, they took it all on. And I, But to be honest, I think most of my, my family thought it was a hobby for a while. Yes. And, and I still got questions and I still will to be honest a little bit too now you know people still ask me are you going to go back to being a vet yeah or when are you going to go back to your real job yeah, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. that's that's yeah. a stinger of a question yes yeah so there's a lot of that and so but now it doesn't it doesn't i just let it let it go because i know it's more about them and their expectations than anything to do mm. with me it's 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 cool it's completely fine yeah but at the start, it was like, oh, yeah. come on, guys. I'm actually working really hard here. I'm running a business. Yeah. You know, I'm actually not just sitting in just my office all day, brave. you know, playing on, on the internet. I'm actually doing something pretty groundbreaking, something that's not, you know, there isn't another industry. I mean, I'm in manufacturing and in retail with an online business that is also, we also run our products through stores and we're sitting in regional WA, you know. There just there isn't a whole community of people out there doing this. So I'm doing something fairly unique yeah. as well, and so to start with, it was quite hard to sort of say, "Well, look, this is a real thing. Yeah. It's an actual business that I'm building. Um, it's going to take some time before it makes any money or can support our family, and and I'm okay with that. I just need everyone else to be okay and supportive as yeah. well, please. Or be quiet. <laughs> or be quiet. <laughs> yes. And and so yeah, it, I think the change was in me first, but. The other people yeah. came 
a long And it later. does have to be in you first, doesn't it? Yeah, that's okay. It takes takes some more time to get their head around it. And, and now yeah. they're hugely supportive and, you know, mum will come and pick up parcels and take them to the post office for me and how can I get involved? You know, it's, yeah, it's it's really nice to see how it's evolved. And I think just by me being really consistent and showing that this business is growing, they've all sort of thought, oh, that's actually a real thing. Yeah. My friends are just super supportive. They just think it's awesome. They probably think it's, you know, like a multi-million dollar international company by now. Like, they just think that it's all I, amazing. I thought it yeah. was. That's why. Oh, I'm... is it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm joking. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> just around the corner. Yes, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's very cool to, A, do what you've done, but B, come from such a safe place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's very safe to stay in a profession and carry yeah. on doing what you're doing, and it's not to say there haven't been moments where I just think, oh, it's too hard, it's too yeah. hard, you know, shut the shop, shut the shop, that's it, we're done. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, there's been some pretty um, stressful moments, mm. and some where I've thought, oh, what am I, you know, what am I even thinking here? Why am I, why do I think I I can be um, you know, who do I think I am to play with, with the big boys, you know, those big companies. And and, and even, um, you know, I've got a great business advisor and she just said to me, look, you're doing an amazing job, but you've got to understand you've chosen a very difficult industry to be in. Mm. And so, you know, that can be daunting, but I also see that as a challenge. And the big challenge for me is to, to show everybody how different we are to mm. those companies. And by being a company that you know we are in Bustleton and we're not going to set our headquarters up in Sydney you know we're yeah. here and this is this is where we're set up and we mm. we can continue and we can manage it all from here you know we are just so different and so you know if you're using the product for example and you sort of send me an email and say well look I'm finding it's doing this or I don't like the flavor of that or you You'll know take it on board. We, we can take it on board and we can actually we can look at the formulas and we can change it and we've had quite an evolution through the years of tweaks of different things that we've had to do to improve the products as mm. well and um, so the fact that we can do that makes us really unique as well so the customers have a direct line of, of feedback and connection to us because they can be part of the process have you had any reaction from the bigger boys in the game oh yeah we do actually <laughs> And I love that. I, think I was going to say, because yeah, yeah. that's, fl that's flattering that you're getting yeah, yeah. somewhere. The most times we get that are, are at events. So we go to a lot of bigger events where they'll have, you know, say an Ironman event, and you might have um, 5,000 competitors come past. And so we all have these little stalls, and we're all lined up in, in you know, these little three-by-three-metre <clears throat> stalls, and we all get to basically retail our products. And so that's the main time I come up against the bigger companies and they really dislike it because our stall, again, it's different. We have beautiful, beautiful colours. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, it's, we've got fruit everywhere. It's refreshing. It's bright. Um, we're, we're not there to, to, um, to flog a whole lot of product. We're there to, to chat to people and let them taste things if they want to or just experience what it's like to have a natural product, for example. Yeah. So. It's really inviting and it's fun. People come in just because they want to chat and, yeah. you know, they, they want to drop in because they're on their way to another event, but we, they saw we were mm. there. Anyway, the, the well, big... I first found you, I was thinking about it on the drive down, I first found you in 2015 when I was asked to do the swim leg at the Bustleton oh, Ironman yeah. as a team. Yes. And I remember the colours were there, mm. it seemed very earthy, it was lo local, it, you know, there's this emphasis on natural products and I just thought, that's freaking awesome. And I took a card 
Yes. And um, admittedly, it was like six, 12 months, well, six, nine months later before I started using your product. But um, And that's fine too, because you, you came and you saw and, and you remember fine. that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's part of it. We know that that process takes time for people mm. to, to trust us mm. and get to know us. And that's, you know, we're okay with that because we're here with that. We're not here for a, a quick quick fix or uh, you yeah. know got to, got to buy it all now but um, but you were saying you go to these bigger events yes yeah and so yeah, that, look they, they find they often stand there and they've got a lot of a lot of sports nutrition products um, you may when you think about it you might sort of recognize it but they're often black and red and very mm. aggressive colors and aggressive marketing and they want it's very masculine looking products mm. and um, and then the uniforms and so they've, they they're sort of it's almost aggressive looking and marketing and so we are just the opposite of that. Yeah. And so they, they, they had sort of these standover tactics and they come and tell us and say, you know, you're not allowed to put your stall out that far. You know, there's a limit. You've got to shift your stall back in because you're getting too many customers stand around the front. Or, you know, we've been to ones where they've, they've gone to the organisers and said, you know, you've got to stop letting anybody taste their product. <laughs> and because they might be the overall sponsor. So so what they'll do is stop anyone even tasting our product because they're so worried that if people taste it and they love it and they're going to buy it, right? Yeah. So I just think it's great. It's hilarious. And so yeah. that, that, that we can actually even worry them enough that they will start to limit our trading, for example. Yes. So I'm like, well, this is good. If they're noticing it's us... Good yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're noticing us and they're that worried that they're going to stop us doing that, then we're doing something right. Yeah. Um, where does the name Bindi come from? Well, my name's Belinda, and as a kid, my nickname was Bindi. Right. And um, it's sort of it's a natural Belinda Bindi nickname. And I actually didn't really like it as a kid. It wasn't. I don't really identify with it as a name. But so now, as a nickname, I'm just B. But as a brand name, it's it's something that people are interested in. You know, it's a it's a great little name. Um, and people will often ask the question, where did it come from? And so that's actually a really nice door opener sometimes. Mm. People want to know, <coughs> oh, what's the name from? Oh, well, actually, it's, it's actually, I'm Belinda, it's my, my name. And then they say, oh, is this your company? Yeah. You know, because a lot of the time people do come to the events and they think it's maybe a franchise or, you know, it's a huge multinational company. And then and they'll say, oh, you know, one of the other girls on the store will say, no, that's Belinda, it's her name and her company and she's from Bustleton and... And then off we go. Off you know? we go. Yeah. So it's actually, without being my actual name, it's a nice connection to me. Yes. That then can just be the link back to, you know, the why and where we started. And where do you source the ingredients from? So our factory here isn't here in Bustleton. Um, so it's, everything's made in Ballina in New South Wales. And so... We needed a factory that was big enough to handle yeah. the quantities that, that we have. And, and also now the other thing is, of course, a lot of our customers are on the East Coast as well. So at the moment, we create, design, do everything here in Bustleton, and I handle all the orders. It's made in Ballina, and it gets trucked across to us, and then it's all sent out from, from Bustleton. So it's, it's been a great way to start small, but we're in the process of getting distributors on the east coast and things like that as well because we're over there a lot more and that's that's our next sort of market yes. that we're headed to um what is it like actually doing business here in wa you, you mentioned that at the start yeah um the first 
word to be honest that i would say is isolating <laughs> yeah and which sounds quite negative but i um i was used to working in in a busy veterinary practice where you've got other staff you know colleagues that you can't every single case if i needed something or if they need something well can you just look at this look down the microscope at this or yeah there's nurses there that you can you can, you know, talk to them about their kids or whatever, you know. So there was a lot of social interaction, even just in a vet practice. So to go into then working for business, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's WA or anyway, but just working for myself in business was potentially quite isolating. But I think the other, the other factor was, like we said before, the business type, you know, the, the industry that I chose is very isolating because no one else is doing what I'm doing. So I can't yeah. ring anybody else up and say, hey, look, Who's your distributor for your sports nutrition products? I mean, yeah. no one's no one's going to tell me that information. Yeah. And so it's been a gradual process of building networks within the the local business community. Mm. Um, and so and a lot of that's been through through stores and through um, you know so we have a lot of connections with bike stores and through events as well. You know, like I said before, we go to a lot of events, and so it's not been business as in um, similar businesses but a lot of different types of businesses that we work with that has essentially built our community around Bindi mm. um, including businesses like dietitians and physios and and coaches and you know there are a lot of the types of businesses that we work with in yeah. terms of actually you know being in a business mastermind group where everyone sells sports nutrition products and they say well how do you market yours I mean that's just non-existent doesn't happen no Mm, yeah, I so whereas so. as a vet, you know, I could go to a conference yeah. and there'd be 500 vets there. Talking and about, like, talking about yeah. technical practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just don't have that when, you, when you're starting out solo. Mm. Just coming out of Bindi and into endurance racing mm. itself, it was interesting you said earlier on that you, know, you got into running because it was your time um, as a mum. And then earlier on you said... Um, after a period of time, you identified yourself as a triathlete. Mm. What was the, when did it go from, I need to go for a run just to have a bit of time to the pull into events and the events that then led to you going to a world championship? Yes, yeah, it was quite a process. Um, okay, so first, what did you get from it? <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot from it. Yeah, because I'm always interested to know yeah. what people actually get from endurance yeah. events. Well, I think you know themselves. the answer to this, but I'm going well, to explain I know from my it. Yes, <laughs> I think you, you know, as you're a swimmer yourself, you would understand what you get from it. But for me personally, um, okay, put it this way, quite often people will say to me, how do you fit in everything you do in a day? I cannot believe mm. you train for Ironman and have a family and run your business. I don't understand. And my question to them is, how do you get through your day without exercising? I don't understand how you do yes. that, right? So exercise is just so integral in my um, morning routine that life just doesn't go well without it. So that's mm. the number one thing. So I've learned that, you know, the hard way through times when I've been injured for example and the flow on effect for the rest of my life is just so huge and the more I exercise the more energy I have um, the more productive I am the better mum I am you know I'm just so much happier once I've exercised I mean that's a physiological thing you have endorphins right yeah. so 
and you get so you get addicted to them. You get addicted to it. So that's you know that's my addiction as such. But as like as with business, the same same principle. I love goals, and I like looking at the end goal and the big picture. I love planning that out. So I didn't say I'm just going to sort of start triathlon. I said mm. I'm going to enter a half Ironman. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, that was a pretty logical goal. So a half Ironman being a swim, so mm-hmm. 1.9 kilometer swim. A bike ride, 90-kilometre ride, mm. and a run is a half marathon, so 21Ks. So I set that and I um, set that as the end goal, and so then I knew I would have a lot of motivation to go out and, um, and train for that. Mm. I got a coach first up who set a program. I mean, I was too busy to work it all out myself anyway, and I needed yeah. someone to be accountable to. So I set the end goal. I worked out the process, which meant a coach, which meant a training program, and then basically... Again, I just focused on what do I need to do today? So today yes. it says I need to do a 10-kilometer run. So I do that, tick the box, done, done. I'm happy. Forget about it for the rest of the exactly day. exactly the same way you said you built Bendy in those six months. Exactly, yeah. So again, in six months I went from, from someone who enjoyed sport to then completing my first half Ironman. And um, so at that time I was very much a mum have a go, wow, I've done something you know, I never even knew was in me to do. And, but it was immediately addictive because as soon as you cross the finish line, you have this huge rush of, wow, I've done this. And then I thought, but I could improve. I could do this better. And so that's part of that ongoing um, need to, to, to improve and do more. And so then it just flowed on from there. It was a long time before I realised I was actually an athlete as opposed to just a mum have a go. And and I think that was probably about the time when I actually qualified to go to my first world championships. And, and I really had to just accept the fact that I actually was good at what I was doing and I wasn't just playing around, just completing or finishing. I actually um, was very good at doing endurance racing so it all kind of flowed on from there I thought well, actually okay it's okay I'm an athlete and I can say that now confidently I'm mm. gone to the world championships so it's probably fair enough yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> why do you think because um, it seems that endurance racing triathlons cycling um, are becoming more and more more and more people seem to be getting into them mm. they become more of a thing than they were 10 mm. 20 years ago mm. I mean, you must talk to a lot of people because obviously you're at the events and you're talking about, you know, you're mm. actually, as you said, you actually interact with them. How do you, why do you think more people are turning towards endurance mm. events and pursuing them? It's a really good question. Um, one of this, this, this is your market, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But it's, I guess it's why, a bit deeper what, than what's that. What's their driver and why are they into it? Um, probably, probably not the primary driver, but one of the really big. Um, reasons why people do it is that sense of community Mm. like us going to the tennis club when we were kids now you see that at events and you see like-minded triathletes they train together they travel together they race together they support each other and so you once you get that community of like-minded people they want to keep coming back Mm. and they're, they're active positive healthy energetic people and Mm. so they're the sort of people who'll tap their friend on the shoulder and say why don't you come for a run with me we've got this great running group we meet every Wednesday Mm. and Friday come and join in 
and then the next person comes <coughs> and they they start to get a feel for what it's like to be part of that group and mm. so i think building that community is really important for us when we're so often sitting behind a screen and you know we might be doing huge amounts of work hours or we go home and we're still living life through our screens and connecting on facebook to actually get on a bike and i love this you know i ride with the local cycle club and i will ride next to someone who i've never met in town before and you know, we might be a local dentist and we can mm. sit there for an hour and just talk, 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 talk. And then I'll see him in the street, but not know that it's the same person because I've never even... You're in Lycra. <laughs> you're in, not in Lycra, not in a helmet. Yeah. But uh, there's people throughout the whole community that, that we've connected with because you're sitting on a bike and you're just chatting. And, and I love that sense of community. And I think other people recognize that in the sport, you know, endurance sports in general mm. as well. So I think community is a lot of it. There is a lot of um, in in the in the, that community. There's a lot of real type A, a high achieving personality. So they might actually be great at their work. You know, they they a lot of them are professionals. A lot of them do very well a lot of lot of areas of their life, and they're just looking for another challenge. Mm. And so going out and doing an Ironman you know might seem crazy to some but to to people like that it's a pretty logical challenge you can go out and and really put yourself to the test Mm. and and see and i think doing something like ironman you really get to know yourself very well and know what your limits are or um alternatively how much you can actually achieve Mm. yeah because there's a lot there's a lot in it which is almost it focuses and forces the focus on all the successful habits that if we took and executed in other parts of our life, you know, there's this focus, there's priority, there's a process. So you actually give mm. yourself to a process as mm. opposed to question the process. You know, yes. like you said, yeah. you found a coach, you set your program, yeah. bang, off you go. I don't question it, yeah. You don't question it, you just do it. Mm-hmm. And and how often do we do that since we've left school? You know, we're questioning everything. Whereas mm-hmm. how often do we go, he or her of are where I want to be, so I'll listen to their process and I'll just I'll just do it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there's a sense of achievement, there's putting yourself out there because you could fail. Oh, and and many do, you know. Mm. We we all do at some point in that. And um and and that's okay that's part of the 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 process as you say yeah Mm. and it just seems to me there's a lot of there's a lot of great um ways of living in that and it and it becomes huge that it becomes hugely meditative as well Mm. and then fears and limits come up and how are you going to deal with Mm. that Mm. and you know you've got to push through it because you've committed to this goal that you've spent Seven hundred bucks and told all your friends about. Yeah, yeah. And put yourself out there. Yeah, nine hundred actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Depends what you do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just seems that there's there's lots there. But also there's this whole connecting you with your body, like you said. So often we we can be isolated and we can isolate ourselves by living mm. in our head and our head mm. alone. And that's right. So when you've got an endurance event, there's the physicality of it. You have to be fit and yeah. healthy and physically able to do what you need to so Mm. that to get there you need to have the discipline and the training program and and in my mind the coach is is important too um Mm. and 
and you have to set an alarm every day and get up and actually follow through with that. Yeah. So there's that self-discipline that's involved in the, in the physicality. But the the other two huge elements, and I think they're equally important, is the, the mental aspect and then the nutrition as well. Yes. And they all they all play, play in together. Role. And and so what what you can see so often is you get these physically talented people that come into the sport that just could win anything if only they could set their mind to it. Yes. Um, and then and then some of them do manage to do that. And mentally they're great and physically they're great. And we often see this in the, the sort of, mm. um, you know, the 20 to 25-year-olds, extremely confident guys that have yeah. got themselves fit. They're mentally like, I can do anything. I'm going to smash this. But they're also so su- super confident that they don't think they need nutrition because they're, they're just not even worrying about that because they're just amazing, right? Yeah. yeah and yeah, so yeah. then... then they're the ones that are still walking at the back of the pack because they haven't got their nutrition right. Yeah. Um, the the really nice combination, and I think partly this is where I've been able to be successful, <coughs> yeah. and I see that with a lot of my other friends, is like I'm not a, a, a talented athlete per mm. se, but I've, I've got a really good work ethic and I've got good building blocks to, to, you know, I can get fit and get strong, but I don't think I'm naturally talented mm. necessarily. But my mental game is as strong as my physical game. Yeah. Um, and then because I really love nutrition and it's really important to me, I've been lucky enough to bring the three together. Yeah. And I think that's been the key to me becoming successful. And mm. so, you know, people will say, oh, look, I want to run as fast as you. Well, what, what running program are you doing? And, and I can give you a running. You're missing the point. <laughs> yeah. I can give him a running mm. program. Yeah. But unless you're actually going to follow it yeah. and you're going to do all the strength stuff that your physios told you to do yeah. and then you're actually going to be happy about doing it because you're mentally, you're like, okay, I'm just doing what it takes to get to the end result. I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to do what it takes. Just do it, yeah. And then yeah. I'm actually going to make sure I'm fueling myself well and getting enough sleep and doing all the nutrition. The running program's not going to change anything. Hmm. Yeah, so that's been my my key to success. And, and that's not... Um, you know, it's not glitzy, it's not glamorous. Mm. And like I said, the 20-something-year-old blokes that are out there doing an amazing job can, can easily dismiss athletes like me because I think, well, that's a pretty boring way to go about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just doing lots of all It's the... not as sexy as no. buy this product or wear this shoe or have this wheel yeah. on my bike. Yeah. yeah. It takes a lot of work and it takes time. Yeah. And it takes a lot of discipline and commitment. Mm. But um... Where does that work ethic come from, Linda? <laughs> <laughs> Is that from growing yeah. up on a farm? Yeah, look, to be honest, I think my parents were a perfect example of that. And so we were absolutely taught that if you want something, you, you work towards it. Mm. So, you know, like we've talked about in different aspects of my life, I worked out the end goal that I wanted. And so then you work out the plan to do that. And, you know, for my parents, it was it was making sure that we as children had a great education. And I saw them work so hard. Mm. as you know teaching and farming to make sure that we had everything we needed so that we could go off and and have our careers as well so yeah i think it's just a family mm. it's a family um first sort of mentality and they've they've instilled that ethic in us as well mm. awesome what have you learned about yourself in this whole trip <laughs> um well starting with endurance sport i think yeah. i've learned that i'm stronger than i ever imagined um and i'm and i'm so proud of the fact that i've been able to race in 
in really tough conditions and come out the end of a, an Ironman in Hawaii, for example, you know, that I'm extremely proud of those yeah. sort of achievements. And it wasn't something that I ever set out to do necessarily. And so um, I've learned that I'm very strong and very resilient and, and capable of incredible things. Mm. And I don't think I'm unique in that. I just have I've worked out, you know, the keys to yeah. unlock all of that. Right? In yourself. In myself. Mm. And so um, everyone has their own little set of things that they need to unlock. I don't, again, like I said, I don't think I'm unique. I think everyone is extremely capable and, and has the ability to do incredible things. And I truly do believe that. And it's just a matter of working it out. What's, what's that, that little combination for you and unlocking it? So um, in terms, that's endurance side of it, which has given me a lot of confidence in my life in general. Mm-hmm. And, and so the two go hand in hand. I think what happens in my, my sporting life kind of mirrors what happens in my business life as well because they both give me confidence in each side and that all flows into my personal life as well. Um, Business-wise, I, um, I now know that I didn't know anything to start, <laughs> right? It, it, you know, I, I've come a long way. Yeah. And so now I, I've learnt how much I didn't know, I guess. And, and I think I'm probably at that stage where I'm really ready to actually step in and be a, a, a business person. Whereas yeah. before I was just, I was learning, I was developing and had a great product. And I, you know, that's just been the, the crux of it is the product has been excellent from the start. It's, it's implementing the, the business strategies around that and learning all of that. And we're really at that turning point where actually I'm ready to step into that role and, and well, I am stepping into that role and, and running it as a, as a business. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. What does the next three to five years look like for you well there's a lot going on (laughs) dominate australia (laughs) (laughs) well okay first i want to run a marathon (laughs) right let's start with that yeah um i i'm going to run um the sydney marathon in september because i've only ever run a marathon during an Ironman race. Yeah. And so I've done that three times now yeah. and I've never just done a standalone marathon. So nice to do without the cycling and swimming before. I don't need to take a bike and I don't need to swim and just I can just turn up and, and run. Go. So back to basics, right? I'm just yeah. going to run a marathon. So Back to where it all started. It's back to where it all started and I'm loving it. I'm loving just running and really finding the joy in just feeling fit and, and yeah, really enjoying that. So that's my um, overarching sort of um, physical side of things. I guess Um, I'm at the stage where my young kids are now starting to grow up and and heading off to boarding school themselves as well so as a mum my my life is changing a lot and so over the next three to five years I'll have a lot more work time as well Mm -hmm. once they're at school and so I'm really excited about the business um, expanding into eastern states Mm -hmm. and then overseas as well Mm -hmm. so we're working really hard to to open up new markets, um, we're still very focused on endurance sports, and I think that's a, well. I know that's a really great niche market for us, and so yeah. we're very comfortable sitting in that niche market, but ex- expanding the the region that we that we actually mm. reach with that. So, um, so no plans to go into shorter, sprinty, uh, strength type stuff, staying in the endurance sector. Yeah, I think so, and I think yeah. that there's so much. So, you know, say if you go to a gym and you'll be told that you need, 
a protein powder with a list of 20 ingredients because you know you need your pre-workout and your post-workout and you're during this and this this chemical and all those things and so that's very ingrained in you know the gym culture for example yeah. um so i can see that even though i know our products would be great yes for those areas um I could spend a lot of time marketing and mm. working in sales in those areas with very minimal results potentially. Yeah. So we're very much about um, serving our our customers mm. who are endurance sports athletes. And so, like I said, we've been doing it here in WA. We're, we've become quite well known in that endurance sport market in WA. And now's the time to take our brand to in, within the same market, but just in different areas rather than going into different markets. Yeah. Mm. Super. Um, what are you grateful for? <laughs> well, we're sitting here in Bustleton yeah. in my, my family home. And um, I'm number one grateful for family and and the this support and yeah. the comfort that provides and so everything that i do is family first yeah and so that gives me a very good basis and the freedom to then go off and launch into all of these other things but essentially without that family structure then um a lot of this the rest of the stuff couldn't happen yeah. so you know racing an ironman or racing a marathon and that's a luxury you know, yeah. it's not a luxury that everyone gets to, to do or fit into their, their lifestyle as well. And I and I do really appreciate that that what I get to do on a daily basis, a lot of it is is pie in the sky stuff for other people. So I'm very grateful for that. And so I do realise that the, the family is that base and the structure that, that I need to be able mm. to do all these other things too. What um I don't think I know the answer to this, but I was going to ask, what, what are the things you do to keep yourself grounded in amongst this? Go exercise, I imagine. Is the yes. <laughs> yeah. Look, I have to think very clearly. Like people, um, people are often contacting me, you know, can you do this? Can you do that? Or we'd like this or um, come to this event. You know, I'm, I'm getting, mm. I get a lot of requests and, mm. and, and stuff come across my desk and, I really just look at it and think, does this fit with our family and does it fit with what we believe in as a business as well? And so I really, I do have to check myself really regularly and say, well, hang on, I don't want to go and do that event on a Saturday afternoon when my kids are playing sport. So yeah. therefore, no. So I really focus on those things and that helps me sort of stay grounded and, and um, you know, like you say, I just go and ride my bike with the local dentist or whoever it is and they keep me keep me pretty well in check <laughs> yeah. one of the last questions I, I ask most of my guests is if you could take a small nugget of information and just load it up into the collective consciousness so people just get it what would that be look I, I really like to think that anything that you set your mind to you can achieve and it's also anything is figure outable like I just think there's so many... I like t- that. <laughs> Figure yeah. outable. Yeah, it's, it's not original. It's not my own. But it's, um, I really believe that. So any challenge that I'm facing in at work and, and, um, or at home, you can work it out. You just need to take a step back and take the time and patience to work it out. And so if you believe that, then you can set any goal you want to. you just mm. got to figure out the steps, the little steps. You know, what am I going to do today? 
to get me to that. As long as you figure out that important thing and prioritise that each day, then the end result is going to be there as long as you know where you're headed and where you're, where you're going. Mm. I like that. I like that. Thank you very much for your time, Belinda. Thanks, it's been an absolute uh, treat and privilege to listen to the story of how you've brought it together and to hear about... Um, I was just, like I said, from the first time I encountered Bindi, I was like, wow, nice colours and this very earthy and... <laughs> we got light. you in. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like this would be something that's going to be good for my body. Mm. And so when I embarked on my solo adventure, it was like, right, I don't want to put shit in my body. Yeah. And I was very, I'm very perceptive to spikes in sugar, so I was yeah. very careful about what I was taking. But um, yeah, it's just been fantastic to hear the story behind it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's quite inspirational. So That's great. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, thank you. And thanks for coming down to visit us in Basselton. And, Indeed. And, and love... if someone wants to buy the product? Yeah, so <laughs> we have it in stores, of course. Yep. We love to support local stores, and so there's quite a few stores. But we also sell our product online Mm. and so along with the product we also do have a lot of information there Mm. as well and so i write a blog each week and we always have really interesting stuff nutrition information or interviews with athletes that are um they're doing inspiring amazing things and so that's really part of the business ethos we're not just here to provide products but it's all that information and and help and advice that we can give from from our experience in the endurance sport market as well. And so if you head to the web- website, bindinutrition.com.au, and that's where you'll find all the all the information. And, of course, we're all over social media as well. Yes, <laughs> as everybody is. Yes. There we go. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Bryn. It's been a pleasure. There we go.